Amen. Amen. How's everybody today? All three of you. All three of you are great, right? All right. There you go. Uh, man, it's good to good to see you all this morning. Good to be here. Good to be with you. I was in California last weekend and didn't get to see many of you, but it's good to see your faces this morning. Amen? Amen. All right. Is it good to see my face? Okay. If you don't know who I am, my name is Darren Gleghorn. I'm the lead pastor here at Cowboy Church, and we just... We just uh, counted an honor that you would choose us this morning, whether this is your first time or whether you've been here since the beginning. Thank you for choosing to be here this morning. It is going to be a great, great morning. Um, we've been anticipating this morning uh, for a while. So uh, it's been, I think, years that I've been anticipating this morning. And so before we get into that, we got some business to take care of. we got some personal church business to take care of. Are you ready to take, you ready to take care of church business? All right, so um, years ago, um, we used to have a little guy, this little guy, come up here on stage and he'd pray. I mean, he would pray at the drop of a hat, and we'd ask him to get up here on stage and pray, and he would and just just tear it up in prayer. And, and so the thing about what happens is these little people grow up into big people. And so he's not a little guy anymore, he's a big guy. And he is fixing to take a step into what I call a a rite of uh, what is that a rite of passage, rite of passage into a uh, a man, and so and our U.S. government's going to help him do that through the army. So uh, so Gage Gage, would you come on up? Come on, don't be shy, don't be shy. You are never shy when we ask you to pray up here. So. Huh? Oh, you had on your floor. Do you still have your fluorescent glasses? <laughs> he was he was always fluorescent green. Uh, ever, I mean, his hair, his glasses, his shirts. I mean, all that kind of stuff. Man, what a what a cool thing that you're doing. We we appreciate you doing what you're doing. And uh, as Americans, we honor you in doing what you're doing. So what we want to do this morning, we want to pray over Gage as he goes in, because he's, he's headed out today, this, this early, 11.30 this morning, you got to be there, right? Yep. So he's got to be shipping out to boot camp tomorrow, and uh, so he's going to enter into the Army. So here's, here's what we want to do. I want you to stand on that circle right there. I'll stand up here with you. But if anyone wants to come up and pray with him, pray, or gather around us and pray, uh, I want to pray, and, and we're going to send him off cowboy church style, but send him off into what God is calling him to do. Because this is a calling. This is not just something you want to do. This is a calling. You may want to do it, but this is a calling. God has called you to this moment, all right? So it's a cool thing. So Lynette, come on up. Um, anybody in the military or, or former military want to come up and and uh, join us? So fam- Gage's family can come up here. Yeah. You can just gather around him and, and, man, this is cool. This is cool. <laughs> There's a lot of people in there. <laughs> well, we, uh, we honor you. We support you. So with that, can you set my hat back there? All right. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Papa, I thank you so much for who you are and who you've called us to be. Father, I thank you. You've put a, you've put a mark on Gage. You've put a, you've put your hand, your fingerprint upon his life, upon his heart. And so today, God, as we send him into his next phase of life, God, I pray that there would be a strength on the inside of him. Father, you said in your word that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So God, as he goes, he will have joy in doing what he's doing. Even when he finds himself worn out and sore and hurting, Father, I thank you that he is choosing the right path. I thank you that he has chosen the right path because you've chosen him. God, I thank you for Gage and I thank you for the anointing, the, 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 the spirit that is settled upon him. I thank you for peace as he goes and that God, that he carries not only the um, the manliness, the the choice of doing what he's doing, and and the the want to protect our country, but Father, I thank you for your fingerprint that's upon him, and he carries your gospel wherever he goes. Father, let him be a light in those barracks. Let him be a light in his unit. God, I pray that the the favor would settle upon him, that the the um, commanding officers would see something on the inside of him 
that they would just um, take him in to be their favorite. God, as, as he is called to be your favorite, and he's been a favorite around here, God, I thank you so much for the anointing that rests upon him. Oil of God, pour on him right now in Jesus' name. Pour out on him. Father, from the top of his head to the soles of his feet, I thank you for the oil of the anointing of God that rests upon him. I thank you, Father. I thank you for a fire on the inside of him. A fire. Fire of God, come. Fire of God, come. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Lynette, you got anything? Gage, you have the DNA of a kingdom establisher on the inside of you. You have the DNA of your Heavenly Father on the inside of you. And your Heavenly Father is sending you to establish His kingdom. That everywhere you go, everywhere the soles of your feet are planted, establishes His kingdom. So every step that you take, you are the DNA carrier of the kingdom establisher. Richard, as a military man, do you have anything? Yeah. I'd like to say, be strong, take courage, God is with you. He fights for you and with you in every battle. Chazak ve'amatz libcha. May your heart be strong and take courage. Don't fear. Amen. All right, buddy. I love you. I love you. And I'm excited for you. Amen. Hi. You guys and your red eyes. I'm. I'm not gonna. Uh, so if if they're if he gets out of here today and you don't get a chance to talk to him, please pray for him as he as he moves forward. And uh, if God gives you a word, tell him. Tell him before he gets out of here. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. You're, you're welcome, buddy. All right. <sighs> That's a tough one, but it's uh, but it's an honor to to have people that. Men and women that will step up and, and take on that. I, uh, I, that's so cool. So anyways, all right, I, I gotta get to business. Um, if we could go ahead and let's set the pulpit and stuff up here. Uh, cause this morning I have the honor of getting to introduce to you, um, people that have been a huge, huge, um, influence on, on our lives. Many, many years ago, I mean, I've, I've always known to, 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 to be a friend of, of Israel. I've always known that my whole life. For some reason, there was just something on the inside. But have you ever heard the, the phrase, it's not what you know, it's who you know? So I've known this my whole life, but uh, many years ago, probably, gosh, how long have we known each other, Richard? Probably almost 20 years, huh? Almost 20 years that God brought this man into my life. And and it was just a kind of a, a freak thing, you know. A, a friend of mine oh, that has a church over in Fort Collins called me and says, hey, I've got this guy coming in from Israel. Uh, would you be interested in having him in? I said, heck yeah. So that's where the friendship began. And, and from there, we have continued to, to raise money throughout the year for people to, to give towards Israel. And our, uh, and help Israel because I know that in Genesis 12, 3, it says if we bless them, God will bless us. Amen. And I believe the blessing of the Lord's been up on this church because we have blessed Israel continually. And every year at the end of the year, we'll send that, that amount that, uh, that we've collected over the year. And it's always been, been off the chain good. You guys are so good. You guys are such good, generous people to give to that. But anyways, this morning, uh, all the way from Israel, we have um, our friends Richard and Sandy Frieden. And, uh, man, would you all give them a, a, a cowboy church hand clap for welcome. Come on up, please. Good morning. Wow. Now, if I can get this thing open, that would be awesome. So, I want to reintroduce you to um, what uh, Pastor Darren just said, and, and this is the, the woman of my life, my best friend. 
Eshet Chayel, a woman of valor, my best friend, my wife, Sandy. Sandy, if you stand up. We'll be, we'll be, we'll be back this evening and Sandy is an amazing singer and she's a great preacher and uh, we're going to be doing something in song and uh, worship and word and some videos and we'll be talking about Israel, but it's really talking about each and every one of us. And we'll be sharing and praying uh, for Israel. Uh, so we would love to see you this evening at 5.30 as well. And if anything, you get to see Sandy. Five. Five. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Boker Tov. So that's a word in Hebrew. Can everybody say Boker? Tov. So that means good morning. Now, if I say Boker Tov, it means good cowboy. <laughs> Boker Tov, Boker is morning. Boker is cowboy. <laughs> it is humbling. It is a huge honor. It's a huge privilege um, to be here. I do not take this for granted at all to to be in this pulpit of uh, uh, two of the finest people on planet earth and that would be Pastor Darren and Pastor Lynette thank you thank you for your graciousness towards us thank you for your kindness and friendship uh, that we share together thank you for that your generosity um, is incredible we thank you for your generosity and kindness towards us. I want to um, begin with a, just a very brief uh, video clip. And in part, you'll see what we do in Israel. Uh, and you'll also see uh, what you've supported recently in an effort to help uh, guys and uh, soldiers, fighters, uh, and some of our reserve units. So um, if we could... Do that, that would be great. Caesarea Maritima, where the Apostle Paul uh, is uh, located a number of times, and where he takes the gospel to the nations. And he said, Philip has his face there. Peter is here. The first person, non-Jewish person, comes to a saving faith at Caesarea Maritima. This is a very important Biblical archaeological site. Maybe the first time, though, I didn't understand it. I was in sacred space. Twelve and a half years old, while I was preparing for bar mitzvah, we had visited a church, and the preacher said, "You might be asking yourself, this happened to be in the Catholic church. It was a special meeting." And the pastor said, by the way, these are the kids that we work with, teens at risk. This guy on the right who has his yarmulke playing the guitar, he's in, the, he's in boot camp right now. And Maya uh, Tahir, this girl playing his yellow guitar, she's in boot camp right now. I heard uh, this preacher say, this priest, actually, Catholic priest, he said, you might be asking yourself, who is this person, this grotesque figure hanging on what we call a Roman Catholic crucifix? Well, never mind that. He said, what's important is on the sign. This is Jesus uh, from Nazareth, King of the Jews. He's from, of your people. That was the first time I had ever heard that, that Jesus is from our people, Israel. That set me on a journey that eventually led me to Israel in 1982. And subsequently, I came to a saving faith 
in Jesus in 1983. It's the best decision I ever made in my life. I'm so grateful for God. Pray for the harvest. We're going to be seeing great harvest in Israel. This is a, a, quite a special season of life for all of us. I'm going to read two scriptures. The first one coming from the prophet Isaiah. Prophet Isaiah chapter 60 verses uh, 1 and 2. This is the New King James Version. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Arise, shine, for the light, your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you. The Lord will arise over you. Uh, and his glory will be seen upon you. John, verse uh, chapter 8, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So, let's pray. Thank you, God, for your word that's alive, it's living, it's true. It can do great surgical work in our lives, for our lives. You could do so many things within us so that we can do great things uh, with and to whom that is beyond us, outside of us. We pray for your, your help this morning, Holy Spirit, as uh, I share some thoughts. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O God. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to share a story, and this story is about heroes and miracles. And the story is about the brave and the few who overcame challenges that were seemingly unimaginable, and goals that were unattainable. This is the story about, some of you know, some of you know about this story. This is the story about Hanukkah. This is the story about dedication or rededication. This is the story about the Festival of Lights, the holiday of dedication, the Hanukkah. And by the way, it's very interesting, even within that one word, there's a zillion kind of thoughts. Because Hanukkah has to do with dedication, but it also has to do with how we think, how we learn. Pastor Darren was mentioning those things. Education, chinuch, Hanukkah. So this is a story about victory, the victory of light over darkness. The victory of a seemingly insignificant people whom they called the Hebrews or they called Israel over the mighty or, or over, uh, uh, this empire known as the Seleucids. So this insignificant people had victory, okay, because of faith, because of faith in one God, not many gods, not several gods. They had faith in one God. So is that victory over or versus pagan worship? Hanukkah is about dedication and trust. It's about an inner spark of faith, of light, of courage to step up to the plate as we bow down before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We step up to the plate and do what is right. We do what is morally right for the benefit of all. So our story, the location, it takes place in Jerusalem, in Israel, in the Holy Land, more than 2,000 years ago. The Jewish people were living under an oppressive, mighty uh, a rule known as the Seleucids, Greek, Syrian, Seleucids. Antiochus IV, the king of the Seleucids at the time, he captures the temple in Jerusalem. We know the temple in Jerusalem, this at the time is the dwelling place of God. 
This is where we meet God. This is where truth and mercy meet. This is where it takes place. He captures the temple. He defiles it. He desecrates it in ways, really, that are quite cruel and ugly. And if he does this, which he did, it actually means that he defiles and desecrates the very name of God. What he does is say, you're no good. He said, this is not good. We want to defile it, desecrate it. You're no longer going to be there. He's like saying to God, you're ugly. You're no good. Who do you think you are? God of the universe. We're greater. The Seleucids were the mightiest armies on planet Earth at the time. So, not only that, if it wasn't enough just to desecrate that which God had ordained, the architect of the temple is God. If that wasn't enough, there was also issued decrees that would say, you can no longer read the Torah. You can no longer read your holy scriptures. You can no longer read the Bible. You can no longer study your scriptures. You could no longer meet, go up to Jerusalem to engage in the daily worship of God in the temple in Jerusalem. So, you know, this is something that from a biblical perspective, both then and now, is where we draw the line. This, the issues of these decrees, is what caused the group of people to say, enough is enough. This is totally unacceptable. Let's think of it this way. You see the scene in Jerusalem. You see the forces of Antioch the Fourth. You see the desecrations, the issues of decrees that say, no, you cannot be who you're called to be. We're going to stop that. You're not going to be who you're called to be. Well, I'm called to worship God. I'm called to study the Word. I'm called to preach the Word. I'm called to be engaged in community life, kingdom life. No, it's going to stop right here. Think about it this way. An evil pagan ruler comes to town. Okay? Somewhere in the West, let's say. Okay? And, and, and it's, it's decreed that you no longer can read your Bible. It's interesting because sometimes we want to try to find the time to read our Bible. You know, well, should I, should I, I'm going to start a study of my Bible. And then sometimes, in all due respect, it falls by the wayside. Life is busy. But what if it was decreed that you can't do that? You can't engage in devotions. You can't engage in the study of scriptures. You will not be permitted to go to prayer meetings. You will not be permitted to follow Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, the Mashiach, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the, the giver of life, the hope, the way, and the truth, the door, the vine. You can't do it. From now on in, that's it. You're not permitted to worship God. You can't go to church. Well, I don't want to go to church. No, you can't go to church. In the case of ancient Israel, the Seleucids attempted, they attempted to force Israel into accepting and believing pagan culture and pagan lifestyle. That's it. That's where we drew the line. Okay. In response, in response to what? In response to these demonic uh, prohibitions, a small band of faithful and poorly armed, they weren't, you know, it's like if, you know, some people think Israel is this, Israel is that. You know, they're great fighters, and when we have to be, we want to be. When we have to be, we will be. Well, you know, Israel is a bunch of nano geeks and stuff like that. No, it's like out of a place of despondency, out of this, out of a place of despair, out of the place of where we've been at first for 2,000 years, we must be. I mean, in fact, that's where creativity is often uh, birthed. You think about innovations. Oftentimes, innovations are birthed out of this pressure cooker where we're we must do, you know. You think about it, just in creatives, musicians, artists, 
you know, they're, they're going over lyrics, and all of a sudden, bam, you're, there's a birth of a new song in the kingdom. And you go, wow, where did that come from? Well, it came from a pretty dark period. And then all of a sudden, God shines his light on it. So in response, we rise up, poorly armed Jewish brothers and some priests led by Judah the Maccabee, and they revolted against against them. They rose up. They said, okay, the odds are like, yeah, this is the greatest might on planet Earth right now, the greatest military might. You know something? We're going to do it. We're going to rise up. We're going to revolt against them. At the end of the day, the outworking of that, they defeated this great army. They're able to recapture the temple in Jerusalem. They're able to expand. They didn't even have sovereignty. So God gives them sovereignty as a result. And we come, become, we're ruling under what was known as the Hasmonean kingdom, a kingdom of Jewish priests with large areas of property that we couldn't even imagine that God would have uh, uh, shown such favor and and allocate to us. But it did. That was the result. It was great victory and nearly a hundred years of Hebrew-Jewish sovereignty in the Holy Land. So the Maccabees, of course, would have to reclaim uh, the temple in Jerusalem. They would have to rededicate the temple in Jerusalem to the service of God. The first things first, main things, main thing, rededicating their lives to God, and following that, a cleansing ceremony, a rededication of the temple. And the Levitical priests would have to uh, use pure uh, virgin olive oil to light this menorah. Does everybody see it? So you have a menorah here. I'll just lift it up. This is a nine-branch candelabra. It's actually called the Hanukkah. Can everybody say Hanukkah? Hanukkah. Perfect. And it, it's, 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 it's kind of a follow-up candelabra. It comes after the menorah that we see in Exodus 25, that beautiful golden menorah that was there to represent the light and presence of God. The virgin oil, the first cold press, that was used for Levitical priests, and of course, that would, that is what, uh, that's the kind of oil that uh, would have to be used for the lighting of the menorah. I think that one of the challenges was that, well, you know, in this cleansing process, what it really means is they're cleaning up the temple. They're cleaning up the temple. It's in shambles, and they have to scramble to find uh, enough oil to light the menorah, and that has to be lit every day. And so they do. They find one small vial, one small cruise of pure virgin olive oil, and they say, well, look it. We have oil. That's a good thing. But... At best, this amount of oil is going to last for one day only. Okay, so what do we do? Is it, you know, do we, do we look into the law? Do we, you know, do we kind of, kind of, kind of try to, you know, how, how do we get around this? How do we get around this? There's got to be a solution. This is a great challenge. And we're standing before God and we want to rededicate it. You might, this is what we do. It has to be rededicated. It's one of the artifacts that God prescribes. We need to do it. We need to do it this way. Why? God. You need to place it here. Why? God. That's what it says. And so that's exactly what they have to do. But we only have enough for one day. But you know something? God could not possibly have brought us to such a wonder and such a victory and such a day for such a time as this for us to back off and say, forget it, we won't light it. We're going to put the oil in the, in the, in the menorah, no matter if it's just one vial, because God is going to give us the rest. We're just going to trust in God to provide the rest. Hmm. I mean, I don't know how many times we've sensed, you know, God, it's, I just feel it a lack. I feel a lack. So, of course, that has to equate in our faith-based mentality as a lack of faith or a lack of provision of God or a lack of favor of God. Is that true? No. It can't possibly be true. Our lack of faith, lack of provision, lack of, uh, you know, material 
does not mean a lack of faith or devoid of the favor of God or devoid of the goodness of God. In fact, a little bit of provision actually says God is good. How good it is that we have one piece of bread. Because God is going to multiply it. God is going to show His goodness in the increase of provision. I mean, there's... um, Our faith, as Jesus said, Jesus said it this way. He said, our faith, as small as we may think it is, triggers miracles. Our trust. The priests trusted. They said, you know, one vial, one cruise of oil. Oh, we can definitely trust God for this. We can trust God for this. Jesus is in the midst of us. Jesus said if our faith is as small as a tiny mustard seed, which is very, very tiny, then we can move mountains, obstacles, scatter enemies in the name of Yeshua. Jesus is in the midst of us. I don't know if you've heard yourself ever saying this, but I have. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not handsome enough. I'm not, I speak for the female gender. Not pretty enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not sure if I have that favor or light of God within me. How can I possibly be of any good? How could I possibly influence anybody for the goodness of God, for benefit, for value? How could I possibly do that? Well, you know something? We do. We do have that little light of God in us. We do have a flicker of a flame that's in each and every person in this room. It would be impossible To say that the light and presence of God is not in your human soul. This is in our lives, in our souls, in our inner beings. It would be impossible. You have light within you. And that light, no matter how strong you think is shining, can be a beacon of hope for a person next to you. In fact, for many people next to you. Oftentimes we receive, you know, pilgrims in Israel, in the Holy Land, and sometimes they feel a little bit undone. I said, hey, wait a second. Do you know that you're actually walking in the light and that there are Israelis looking at you and overwhelmed by the love of God? Why are you here in Israel? Oh, we love God. Why are we here in Israel? Because our, 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 our God loves Israel. Because the scriptures love Israel then that's who you are. You're the love of God walking. You have a, you shine more even though you're frustrated because the traffic is, 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 is is crazy. (laughs) You shine more even though when you go into your hotel room on a Friday evening and you go into an elevator called the Sabbath elevator, you have to go on every floor and you want to get to your room already. (laughs) It's our opportunity to meet people. So every time, ever since that time, ever since antiquity, ever since this great story of the Maccabees, we use this night branch candelabra. Eight days of celebration because the candle, the candle, the menorah with the one cruise of oil, not, it didn't last one day, it lasted for eight days. So we celebrate eight days. The ninth candle, the center candle, is the servant candle, the master of all. We believe, as believers in Jesus, as uh, Jewish believers in Jesus, as well, they believe that the centerpiece is symbolic of Jesus, the Messiah. Why? He's the servant of all. He's the light of the world. He lights each and every one of us just like every day. We light a candle. We light day one, day two, until all the candles are lit on the eighth day. And you have this bright, shining uh, 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 Hanukkah for all to see. So the Hanukkah story, and it really is for all to see, we actually place it 
on a, at a window so people from the outside can see the light that's shining on the inside. Isn't that true with our own lives? That we have a light within us that can shine and be seen on the outside. So the Hanukkah story is also about maybe what? What are we talking about? We're talking about historic backdrop. We're talking about heritage. So it's about memory. It's about memory. And it's about not just personal memory. It's a memory of all of us. It's collective memory. And, uh, you know, just, there's so many seasons in our life. We celebrate the birth of Christ. We celebrate the resurrection, uh, the, the, the death and resurrection of Christ. It's collective memory. So we remind ourselves of the past. Remind ourselves where we came from, where we, na- where we are now, and where we're going. We want to consider our, our present and continue to be thankful for where we're headed. We're thankful and grateful for what God did, what he's doing now, and what he's yet to do in each and every one of us, in our personal lives, in our marriage lives, in our family lives, in our relationship lives, in our home lives, in our education lives, in our work lives, in the good things in our lives, and the struggles in our lives. We're grateful to God for, 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 for all of this. We're reminded of the temple. We're reminded of the temple, which was defiled, okay, and, and yet it was purified and rededicated to the Lord. So we consider our own lives. We are the temple of the living God. We're the temple of the living God. So that which was defiled... That which was abused, that which was self-abused, that which was abuse that was put on us, all of that can find a place of healing, of renewal, of redemption, of restoration, of purification, and of rededication and consecration to the Lord. It's in that humble place, in the goodness of things. You know, there are people that have everything in life. And those who don't will look upon those people and say, if I only had that. Not knowing that some of those people are quite miserable. And oftentimes they'll admit it. You know, I have everything in my life. I lack nothing. And there's something within the recesses of my mind and in the corridors of my heart that are just, it's just not happening. It's just empty. So our ancestors, our ancestors, took a stand. They did what was right. They fought the good right. They fought the good fight, and they saw the victory and redemption of the Lord. But the enemy plans for evil. God promises He will turn to good and for the benefit and salvation and redemption of many. What we're fighting today in Israel, really, Lord have mercy. What we're up against today in Israel, the demonic forces of a terrorist organization, a proxy of Iran, fully funded, trained, equipped by Iran and others, whose very name means Evil, violence, violence. That's what Hamas means. It's a demonic expression of the father of lies, Satan, that wants to do everything to rob, steal, and destroy, and to thwart his purposes and plans for the people and nation of Israel, which is nothing less than great salvation and salvation for the world. It's like life from the death, as Paul said. Life from the dead. That's who we, we were. Amen. And all of a sudden, bang! Life is in our veins again. We feel that we're alive again because of the goodness of God, because of the light of the Lord, because of the Spirit of God, because of the Word of God that's true, active, and engaging, and energizing. I would dare to say that prior to October 7th, we, Israel, were a divided nation. Politics, religion, 
spiritual life, social issues, we're unraveling everything that, everything of the absolutes that held us together as a nation. When there's division, the house can collapse, and the house will collapse. And this is in, maybe in, in some part what happens in Israel prior to October 7th, because of the great divide that takes place for the first time that I have seen in such a dramatic way in 41 years living in Israel. It was, it was, it was at such a place that it was like, where are we going? Where is our vision? What happened to our vision? What happened to our purpose as a nation? What happened to the direction that we had as a nation? Always. Ever since I arrived in Israel, you know, it just really felt like, wow, clear. You know, we're not a divided nation. Okay, there's always issues, right? But this was not what we saw just a couple of months ago. We were a people that had lost vision and purpose. And when that happens, you can lose everything. And maybe in one part, this is what gives the, the enemy the window of opportunity to come into our lives and make havoc of our lives and our relationships and our families and our churches and our businesses and on and on and on. We just give the, uh, the enemy a window of opportunity, he'll take it. They'll take it. This is exactly what, what takes place. The atrocities that take place on the morning at 6.30 in the morning on October 7th against Israeli cities, townships, and farming communities were unimaginable. And I won't, uh, uh, um, I, you know, I, I'll only say they were brutal and barbaric. Brutal and barbaric scenes that, uh, uh, you could compare to, uh, our American 9-11. And, 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 and for sure the, the things that take place, uh, during the Holocaust. But with that said, friends within hours, okay, the enemy comes in, what do we do? Respond. The enemy comes in, shut the door. Shut the window. We don't need it. There's enough to deal in life with, right? We, we want to live life. We want to live life. We want it to be good for, for, for our, for ourselves. Personally and collectively, and for our children and our children's children for generations. Within hours, Israel, today's Israel, within hours of that assault on us, we're motivated. Over 300,000 reservists are called up. Everybody is motivated. Everybody is unified. The morale is incredibly high until this day. And we go on the offensive and we do what we must do to fight the enemy in a very calculated, slow, patient way to crush the enemy, to decimate, dismantle the infrastructure of Hamas and Islamic Jihad uh, and its leaders and its operatives. Because if we don't, we're going to just see this thing played out again and again and and that's no way to live life. If we allow the enemy in, there's a way to rise up. It happens with who we are as the people of God. No, this is where we draw the line. No, I see you, Satan. You're not coming in. You're not coming into my mind. You're not coming into my body. You're not coming into my life. You're not coming into my marriage. You're not coming... Believe me, Sandy and I know this very well. Okay? We came, we are a redeemed couple in the Lord. We've seen restoration that, that it's, it's incredible. So, um, be encouraged. Okay. It's often in those places where we make those kind of decisions like to choose life that we're very, we're brought low. I can assure you Israel was brought low. I can assure you that uh, friends of mine, commanders of mine, uh, chiefs of staff, soldiers from every walk of life in Israel and every unit that they serve in, including pilots and special ops people, were shocked, embarrassed, brought low, humbled. And from that place, 
we see blessing. From that place, we see strength. From that place, we see courage. From that place, we fight the good fight because we don't want to be in the trap of the enemy. We don't want to be under tunnels. You don't want to be below the ground. You want to be above the ground and walking in the light of God. So we can, the, the, the parallels are obvious to our own lives. We fight the good fight in Jesus. We run our race and see ourselves to the end of the race. We don't give up. We keep our hand to the plow. We hang in there. We're pressed on all sides. There's all sorts of issues and circumstances that can, that can overwhelm our lives. But we're not crushed. We're not crushed. We rise up within us. That little flicker of flame, that Holy Spirit of God, that one word that we read. And we rise up and we plow forward. We don't give up. We don't shrink back. And if we do fall back, let's get up. We invite Jesus, his word, his Holy Spirit into every conversation, circumstance, and situation into our lives. The good and the bad and the ugly. In this place... We have the word of God. We have the power of our testimonies. We have the blood of the lamb to see victory, to overcome, to bring down strongholds forever. You're not coming back there. We won't allow it. No way. Let faith arise. And we will see our enemies scattered. We see victory over darkness. We know the oil of gladness is deposited in us instead of being burnt. Burnt in our affairs, burnt in our thinking, burnt out. Instead of all that, we see the newness of life. Life and goodness in the land of the living. So the scriptures declare that the enemy will be scattered. What the enemy planned for evil, God, as we said, will turn to good. Okay, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. We'll co- I might do it on time. Fantastic. All right. So Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He's in Jerusalem a number of times, also for the Feast of Dedication. Amazing, really. He just knows where to be. I'm going up to the temple, to the Feast of Dedication, the Feast of Lights. This has to do with the Hanukkah. And he says this, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We live with a thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven paradigm, mindset, thinking process. We don't hide our light. It doesn't do any good for anybody, not for us and not for those around us. We shine our light, but I don't feel good today. I know. Shine your light. But I'm tired. I know. I am too. Shine your light. Really, honestly, it's like David encouraging his soul. He's writing and encouraging his soul. He's being chased, finding himself in caves, and writing. At least two or three psalms are attributed to those times when he was under the most duress. Finding himself in a cave. And all of a sudden, he's lit. With purpose and direction, and he's encouraged, and he's going forward. I'm in an all-time low today. I know. God knows. Let him shine your light, his light on you. More so, more so, I can't get up. I'm in too much pain. We've all experienced that. Each and every, I would imagine each and every person with days or illness or injury 
or muscular pain, tiredness, I just can't get up. Okay, God is going to raise you up. Look to his light. You can't turn on the light because the, the, the darkness is creeping in? Yeah, turn on the light. It's too dark, turn on the light. I can't do anything. I can't do anything. Look to the light. We are get. It's a promise. As we draw, that's like saying I am drawing close to God. I can cannot even practically move. I am depressed. You know something? I had the wind taken out of my sails a few years ago. I mean, floored. Disappointed to a degree that I could not have imagined. Okay? What did we do? Look to the light. You know, when you have a good light, you can navigate properly. You can navigate every circumstance and situation and pain as best as possible. And we do and did and continue to see victory. Jesus said, I am the light of the world in John 8. I am the light of the world. When my father got saved, his great testimony to members of the family was, you know something? Jesus, Yeshua, is the light of my world. I was in darkness, and now light is in me. I said, Abba, Dad, you're right. It is. It is. The light of God is within every one of us. Whoever follows me will not ever walk in darkness. And if you do walk in dark areas of life, you will be that beacon. You will be that flickering flame. You will be that godsend for someone else. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, will not be overrid, will not be overwhelmed, will not be struck down. But if you are struck down, you will have the strength to get up and see your way forward because of the light of God. Because you have the light, he said, of life. Of life. So a unique property of a flame is that it can be used to light many more flames. And when it does so, its own light is not diminished. That is a great image of this church. You are a giving church. You are a generous church. Do we ever finish the video? I don't think we ever finished the video. Do we see the photos? Do we see a few of the soldiers? Oh. And then I broke into it and messed it up. You'll have to come at five. But 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 it's here. It's 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 on the on the uh, desktop of the computer, so it's yours. You know, so you can. Yeah. That's the interesting thing, that light is not going to be diminished. We give it away, it's not diminished. In fact, it gets brighter and brighter. When you share your light, you light up a world. There's a Hebrew saying that that says, saving one life, saving one soul, is like saving an entire world. Because you are a world. You're an entire world. You're an entire world. You're an entire world. We're all, that's it. God saved us, not for no reason. Just didn't come into being. Oh, I got saved, and you know now I'm just struggling. That's okay. You're walking the way of light and the way of life. We save souls. The provision of uh, vital uh, protective gear that you purchased. Many types of gear that you purchased has already saved lives. That is your light shining in a dark place. Excuse me for being emotional. There are people that we know that have been killed. There are families still waiting for 239 hostages to be returned, including Americans. Proverbs 20, 27 says the light of the Lord is the candle of our lives. It's the candle of a, a person's, a man's soul. 
The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord searching all his innermost beings, all his parts. And it's also viewed as that we're part of his creation. Yeah, Proverbs twenty twenty seven. If that's the case, then we're the only creature on planet Earth that has the light of the uh, uh, of the Word and 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 uh, of God in our souls. We have a spirit that God lights. So um, we're nourished by that. Are we? Are we nourished by light, or are we nourished by the Word of God? It's actually in both scriptures, it's both. Because there's instruction in the word of God, and there's something that lights your soul and nourishes your soul. Well, I don't feel, you know, excited about God. Oh, what did you eat this morning? I'm not feeling good. What did you eat last night? Let's nourish ourselves. Let's eat of the goodness of God. So draw to me. Draw close to me, says the Lord, and I will draw close to you. The word of the Lord is a lamp and a teaching is like a bright shining light and correction and discipline are the way of life. Each word connects us to God, to God and enable us to get through breakfast, to get through lunch, to get through dinner, but not just to get through because we count our steps so we can gain a heart of wisdom. So it's not just getting through the day. It's actually being very present in the day and, do, and, and, and walking forward in, that, in the light of the Lord. So if the Maccabees, which they did, they were able to bring with all the challenges they face, they brought the Jewish people back from the brink of oblivion. The parallel is in our life as well. There's something that is falling by the wayside. Well, don't just, you know, get in his face. Get in her face. That's tough love. We understand that. But it could be the very thing that takes that little flicker of a flame and increases it. And then that woman or that man or that girl, or that teenager is going to say, you know something? Thank you for that correction. I needed that. Thank you for calling me out on that. I needed that. What are some of the ways that I can engage in to choose life? What happens when Israel fails at being prepared for the unexpected on October 7th? And I'll do respect to the country that I've lived in for 41 years and I call home. We messed up. Someone should have called out a lot of people in this situation. But, But what do we do in response to that? We know what Israel did. She rose up to the occasion, and she's on the offensive. So there can be a better tomorrow for Israelis and for Palestinians. That's it. We're not interested. We're interested in a better future for all people concerned in our region. And so what happens when there's unexpected change? Are we prepared for unexpected change? How do we prepare for unexpected change in this season of life? If we're not prepared, it comes on us like a storm. When we are prepared, when we are prepared, it comes on us like a storm. But we're prepared. We're prepared. Maybe a simple way, a simple suggestion would be decide in advance that you're going to be prepared. I will be prepared for the unexpected. Okay? I will be prepared. What's a simple way of being prepared? Choose life. Choose life. Choose life. We choose life. We navigate accordingly the issues of life. In other words, if I choose life, then what I do in the circumstance, what I do in the circumstance, and what I say will either add value or disvalue a moment or another person or situation in my life. Okay, so that's important. Okay, everything's crashed in on me. Well, the heck with it. Excuse my language. You know, it's over. There's, there's no hope. All is lost. Well, then, okay. But what about I've been prepared? I promised before the Lord, Lord, I will choose life today. Wake up in the morning. 
And this is really a prayer that I say every morning. I am grateful before you. I am grateful to you, O Lord. As I arise in the morning, I am grateful. And if we want to expand on it, we can expand on it. And if we don't, he already knows. You've already said it. I confess I am grateful. I proclaim I am grateful. I proclaim I will choose life today. Choosing life means the word that is in us. Choosing life means that the word is alive. But you've chosen the truth, the way, and the life. You've chosen the light of the world. Who is? God. Jesus. The light of the world. Choosing life means I am willing to confess the things I hold in darkness before it's exposed to the life. That's one of the most challenging scriptures as a man that I've ever read. I mean, there's a few others actually. But when we hold things in the darkness, okay, it could just be silly thoughts. It could be, you know, cursing people in our heads. It could be the depths of, uh, of, uh, of sin that hold us in bondage. Well, great. That's where the enemy wants you to be. But you know something? God wants us to be somewhere else. God wants us to be out of Egypt. He wants us to be out of bondage. He wants us to be out of the dark uh, uh, tunnels and, 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 and pitfalls that sometimes we find ourselves in life. So, and this is true of all of us. Don't hold back what's in darkness. Let's talk to God and, and others about it, who we trust, like these heroes staring, uh, sitting in front of us, or whomever, whatever is part of the community here. Um, that's really essential, because if not, somehow it's exposed in the light, and then it gets really messy. Okay, the light shined on it, Okay, but praise the Lord. Whew, thank God. That was a bondage that I had for, wow, so many lit years. And it was exposed in the light. I didn't confess it. One day it was exposed in the light, and it devastated me with shame, guilt, and loss, and pain, and embarrassment, and apathy, and depression. But you know something? I confess. I was wrong. Wow, I had the opportunity just to say, you know, man of God, brother, pastor, my friend, I messed up. I'm, I'm like in this trap. I don't know how to get out. I want to confess it. I assure you the light of God is going to break those cold steel bars. Amen. And you will be walking in the light forever. Choosing life means... The capacity I will have to love. It'll expand. If I'm willing to choose life, it will expand the capacity to love. There was a story when I was attacked physically for my faith in Jerusalem. And it was a physical attack. Fourteen guys jumped me. My brothers, my Jewish brothers, whom I love. And it took me about a year to process my disdain for them. And it took me about a year to say, well, how blessed am I? Now the ministry is blessed because I got attacked? Yes, that's what the Lord said. Why don't you get over yourself, Richard? It's not about you. It's about the light of God that shines in you, that gives you the strength and the courage to do what's right, and that's to forgive Forgive your brothers. And I did. It was the, it was, it was like life from the dead again. It was like that, 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 that additional moment where I was able to say, now I get the Beatitude scriptures, at least a a tiny bit of it, that let God to expand your heart in such a way that you have a fierceness of love. It's like we're in Israel fighting. They're fighting with a lion inside of them, but with a bleeding heart. Because so many people have lost lives in Israel. 
We can lose our very lives and direction, our compass, when we're entrapped by the enemy. Let's rise up within us like lions, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how embarrassing it is. Let's rise up because God sees you with dignified eyes. Let me tell you, there is one person, God, sees you with eyes that no one else can look upon you with. No one. Eyes of dignity, eyes of love, eyes of compassion, eyes of respect, eyes of, I love you, I accept you, you're going to be good. I believe in everything that I have for you. Those are the eyes that we want to behold in our daily lives and in every situation of our lives. There's lots of heroes that we can look at in the Hanukkah story. We can draw lots of inspiration from those heroes that did what they were called to do. We can, we can, we can, we can, we can, see, we can get a lot of encourage and inspiration from the early church, the believers, the apostles, and many people throughout history, many unsung heroes, like my dear friends, Pastor Darren and Lynette, truly heroes, hanging in there day after day. What about us? We're hanging in there day after day. You are. You are. You are. You are. You are. Heroes of God. This young man going into the military. A hero of God. Not in the sense, don't get me wrong. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Shine his face upon you. May you live a long life. But you're heroic in your spirit. Choose life. Be ready. Keep your oil full. Watch and pray. Put on the full armor of God. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Be fully lit. The menorah, the Hanukkah is fully lit. The Christmas tree is fully lit. You know, I'm like, I'm like a, a kid in a candy store like here. We look at, wow, look at that, look at those lights. And, Look at those lights. It's beautiful. Shining. It's beautiful. Be alive in Jesus Christ. Though the days may seem dark and the night too long, the light of the Lord is never, ever withheld from you. There is tomorrow, and we must be up for tomorrow. And we can be up for tomorrow because, Emmanuel, God is with us. And God loves each and every one of you with an everlasting love, with a steadfast love, with an irreversible love. He loves you. In Jesus' name. Amen.